Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Hi all, I am here with Kevin Bersiaga. So Kevin, how about you just introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Kevin Bersiaga. You can find mm-hmm. me on YouTube at Kevin Bersiaga and on Instagram at The Rational Eater. I help Gen Zers and millennials overcome binge eating and other eating disorders and help them eat right for good. Awesome. Yeah, I like the for good too. It's just like permanent. Yeah. But I um, first, I don't exactly know. I was trying to think through this beforehand. I don't remember how I found you. I found you on Instagram for sure. That's really all I know. But I think you just popped up on a binge eating hashtag or something. And I, yeah. I saw one of your many videos that you put on there. And I was like, who is this person? But um, <laughs> I, I, liked, uh, I liked what you said because I thought you had really practical, rational, as your Instagram handle would suggest, logical kind of tips and you're very straightforward. And I think we get along a lot on binge eating tips and binge eating is different than bulimia in a lot of aspects, but um, they, they coincide a lot. So um, could you just, thank you for being on here, first of all, (laughs) appreciate it. But also, um, could you just share with us your story a little bit? You know, what was your background with binge eating like? I think that's always helpful for listeners to hear. Yeah, it was never my intention. That was never my goal, but it, it started when I was in college. And for whatever reason, I'm not sure, but I got really into fitness, health, nutrition, and started reading a lot about that. Started going to the gym for the first time ever. Got a job at Whole Foods. So it started oh, well. No. Whole Foods. I know. <laughs> Whole Foods. <laughs> I started with Whole Foods. Uh, anyway, so I, I was just really into it. And I think I had the right intentions. But then things started to go wrong really soon. I remember that year, that it was thinking of that third that third year of, of college, I, I went to it, had more doctor's appointments that year than the rest of my life combined. Oh, wow. I was just, yeah, I was just bumping between the, you know, the hematologist and the endocrinologist and never really got good answers. And I remember I had bleeding in my, I think it was my right eye. I forget, didn't take a photo. And I think the final answer was there was a lesion on my pituitary gland. And this coincided with these drastic changes that I'd made my diet. I was anemic. I had no energy, uh, no muscle mass, couldn't put on muscle mass. People around me were concerned. So it was really just orthorexic. And I don't, I don't think I knew that word back then. I, th- I think at the time I thought I was doing the right thing, but now it was just like full-blown orthorexic, you know, all these rules, very regimented, very strict, very judgmental. And then uh, over time, well, actually when I was working at Whole Foods, I, I worked the late shift, so I'd be there until 11, midnight. And remember, I would just gorge on all of the fruit that they were going to put in the compost bin. Wow. It's just like giant amounts. But of course, this only happened, I was only working part-time. So this was only one or two episodes a week. I, you know, I felt terrible about it. But then I went home after my last shift and thought, okay, whatever, won't happen again. And then about a year, year and a half later, I remember having my first episode of chewing and spitting. And so that's kind of like, kind of binge eating, kind of bulimic, mm-hmm. it's kind of a mix of both, um, very similar behavior, same psychology. And I still got, I started doing that a lot. I was like, just choose fit, choose fit. And so that went on for a year and a half. I guess you could call that my first ED 
it's not really classified as an ED. Nobody really talks about that. Yeah, it I, would, it, it's disordered eating, right? What it even, it's so like the eating disorder yeah. covers so much, right? That's, I think. Yeah, I mean, you have eating disorder versus disordered eating. And it's like, okay, where, you know, where's, where's the line there? Right. There is no line. But yes. so I started doing that. And then I remember I stopped that and I purged a few times. I was never, I was never a serious bulimic. I mean, some, some bulimics are having like two, three episodes a day where it's just mm -hmm. like this. I never went, never went that far, but I did have episodes of, of purging or if I couldn't purge, I would just go three or four days without eating or I'd just go to the gym for several hours. I mean, there had to be some form of compensation. Right. So I had, I had yeah, there had to be some way to get it out or at least feel better about it. And then that turned into binge and restrict and, and then just binge eating and then binge restrict. And then there were a couple uh, periods of remission where I thought, surely I'm recovered this time. And then it came back even worse than it was before. And so this went on years. And so from the time, from the time of that initial episode in the back room of a Whole Foods to my last one, probably 11 years. Mm -hmm. So it's been a little while for sure. That's a good chunk of time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and I don't think time is like everything, right? Because it's like someone asking like, oh, how long you've been working out for? And it's like working out correctly or, or what do you mean? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a long time and distance between that. So um, yeah, I don't think I've ever, um, I've definitely done the chew and spit thing before, but it was never like my only form of binging and purging and stuff like that. But um, so how did you take your first steps towards recovery then? Like what, there's all this thing, you know, that gives us a pretty picture of that, but how did yeah. you even get through that? I, I just, it wasn't like this epiphany. It's not like I woke up one day and said, okay, I'm done with this. Dang it. I, I, I wish, I know, I know. We're <laughs> so easy, um, but it wasn't. It was, I remember thinking to myself, what, how much longer do I want to do this? Like mm -hmm. I'm in my early thirties now. There's really no excuse for it. Not that there ever was. Uh, it, 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 it's like, how much, what do I really want? You know, that was, that was a question I asked myself, how long am I going to live in this cycle? It's like the, the prodigal son who, who lives it up and then one day wakes up and he's in this pigsty, you know, with, with poop everywhere and flies and he's thinking, <laughs> okay, what do I really want here? And right. then he comes to his senses and goes back to his family. Yeah. Yeah. The whole story. That was, that was the big turning point for me. But like I said, it wasn't one day. I, there was this long process of negotiations with myself. Mm, what do I want? Do I want to stop this? <laughs> it really is. It really yeah. is. Because there's, there's, no, there's no agenda. There's a lot of baggage. You're not sure which direction you want to go. Or sometimes you start moving in that direction and then you turn back and you go in the other direction. Uh, so that was a long process, but where did it start? It started, started by asking those questions. How much longer do I know, want to live like this? And what is it that I really want? Yeah, I think uh, asking yourself, what is it that you really want? Because a lot of people are like, I know I don't want to live this way, or I know that this isn't good at the very least. They're like, maybe there's something better, but they never ask themselves, okay, well, if you don't want this, what do you want? Like, if you don't want this, what are we going to do instead? And I think it's yeah. that lack of knowing or that lack of even creatively thinking about it that can keep people stuck in those cycles, you know? So that your brain doesn't think about the alternative options. It's like, this is what we know. This is what's going to happen. But you giving an answer is really helpful. 
and, and I hear this on, on strategy calls too, and people who are considering working with me. I think the problem a lot of times is they just don't know what they want. Yeah, because they don't ask themselves that question ever, or it feels yeah. selfish or whatever reason they have for it. Yeah, I mean, what are, there's this, uh, like the, the stages of change. I forget, I'd have to find it somewhere. And one of those is, you know, the contemplation phase. Mm-hmm. Well, that can be a really long phase for a lot of yes. people. It certainly was for me. You're figuring out, okay, this is what I want. I'm going to go in this direction. I'm never going to turn back. That's really hard to do. Mm-hmm. I try to, um, the more, the better I get at being in recovery, the better I get at like business goals, whatever. I try not to spend too much time in the contemplation stage or I call it kind of indecision, like uh, dwelling in that just because I'd rather make a decision than spend too much time on it, depending on the situation. Of course, some things you do need to think about, but with the recovery there, there did come a point similar to you where I was like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. This is not for me. We're going to keep on moving forward. We're not going to contemplate this anymore we're going to actively try to do this no matter how many times you fail that kind of mindset i think made the change so i know that like there's no like you could talk for hours about how you recovered and that's what you do for a business too but um what are some of the first steps you took towards recovery after that moment like how'd you pick yourself up out out of it just assessing the decisions that i was making on an everyday basis okay. you know is this is this what i want to do is this what future kevin would do i always had this vision of who i wanted to be and how i wanted to behave and the habits that i wanted and i thought okay if i were that version of myself and i had everything i wanted would i do this mm. and it was just like assessing one decision at a time, not obsessively, but just thinking, is this ultimately what I want to do? Is this what the Kevin 5.0 would do? Would Kevin 5.0 go to a vending machine? Would he be stuck in the drive-through at a fast food joint? Would he be having his fifth sonic blast Mm -hmm. of the week? You know, would he be snacking at 10 o'clock at night? The answer is no, then I stopped, but it wasn't, again, it wasn't one time. It was a practice, a very long period of time, but it it takes self-awareness and it also takes vision. So where am I now versus where I want to be? Mm -hmm. I technically, or not technically, I try to, when people are first recovering in my program, I have them write out kind of what what they would be like without bulimia or how they would think without that because like you're saying it's so important to think what would Kevin of the future do I I think that all the time about my goals like guys I was just telling Kevin before this that I'm scared to do Instagram lives and it's like I have to think about what what would the Jacqueline that wasn't scared about Instagram lives do right you just have to push yourself to do that and keep visualizing it like the self-awareness but then visualization is important too and if you don't have that image then it's kind of hard to make those decisions and also knowing what your motivation is. Yeah, you the know, reason why yeah. you're even doing it in the first place. Yeah, is it is it worth the the discomfort? Mm-hmm. Is it you know, like like Instagram Live? Well, what's your what's your mission with Instagram Live? I, I'm assuming to reach you know more of the right people, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And if that's what you really want, then you'll hit that that red button and just go live. 
Right. That's good. I just start coached basically. Right. I need to think yeah. about it. It's the same concept. Yeah. That's another interesting Hit the thing. Button. Yeah. <laughs> but like the, the things you learn in recovery, I don't know. I'm sure you find this, but the things you learn in recovery are also things that can be easily applied to so many things in life too. It's like motivations for recovering, apply that to different things like doing Instagram life. Um, so you, you visualize things like that. Um, when you initially were trying to no, actually, let me let me ask a different question. Kind of curious. We can talk about how you kind of sat through that discomfort and things like that, because I'm sure there came a time when you wanted to binge eat and you didn't binge eat. But um, uh, how, what was binge eating for you or what was bulimia for you? Like, why do you think you wanted to hold on to it for so long? It was a lot of things. It was the familiar enemy. Mm. You know, it was that constant. It was the struggle that I liked. Mm -hmm. you know, it was like, I need this struggle. I want to, I like to dream about overcoming it, but if I eliminated it, then I couldn't dream anymore. Mm, then the movie's like, over. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't want to kill the monster, at least not right now. Um, so that was one of them. I, it, but if you go back to my early mid twenties, it was a sense of control. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's something that I hear a lot among disordered eaters of it gives me that control right it's like the one thing that i can control which is ironic because you eventually lose control mm -hmm. and you have less control than when you started uh so it was that and then just the cycle i hate to use the word enjoy but it's like i did you know, no i've I, said that in my podcast too like there's yeah. an enjoyment to it and you have to be willing to let go of that enjoyment for sure yeah yeah and it's familiarity too mm -hmm. like this is what i know this is my routine Yes, I know it's kind of weird and it's damaging my health, but it's kind of fun and I like to escape and nothing else can replace it. And mm -hmm. I don't know what my life will be like without it. You know, there's this giant crater in your life, at least initially. Yes. You know, you get, it takes time to fill it, but you got to get dump trucks and put stuff in that crater. But I think that's a big fear for a lot of people is like, what do I do without it? Yeah. No. Yeah. And your brain, like, that's why people, that's not the only reason, but a big reason when people stay in abusive relationships is like, they fear the unknown more than the relationship itself. Your brain likes familiarity, right? Even if the familiar piece is torturing you all the time. I describe it, bulimia, a lot as like your ex. It's like, um, and, or kind of like this horrible person you're dating. And I describe yeah. it as you need to break up with them and need to stop remembering all the good times and remember exactly like the horribleness that they are too. And then move on. And like you're saying, fill the crater, get some dumb trucks. Like eventually you want it to um, be taken up by completely different things. But yeah, it's, it's hard. And I like that you said that a lot of people, like it partly is control for sure. And I think it's a combination. I don't, most people it's not like it's all but um I was talking to a client the other day and she described um when she binge eats kind of like well it's my way to say no or rebel against that diet voice in my head and take my control back and I was like but it's both you like <laughs> both of those voices yes. are you <laughs> like you have control either way right yeah yeah the, the voice I hear that come up it's you know the voice or you know the pig or you know whatever mm -hmm. if you i guess i guess it helps some people think about what's happening and it's a cute analogy but yeah that voice is you like those mm -hmm. are your reasons there's no alien inside your head 
Uh, I don't know. Have you ever seen that movie, uh, Inside Out? It was, no. uh, I think it was a Pixar movie, and there's this little girl, and there's five different characters inside her head. Oh, yes, I have seen it. And they're it. all, okay. Different emotions. And they're, yeah, and they're all competing for the joystick. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how it is, but that's, I don't, in real life, I don't think that's true. I don't think you have these different entities competing for control. I think what happens is you get so used to that cycle. You get so used to the escape is then you start to find justifications for the behavior. Well, it's because this, it's because this, it's because this, mm -hmm. what you need yeah. to do is step back and take a, get an aerial view and realize just how damaging this behavior is. It's not right. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm how, cause that was a big question I wanted to ask you is kind of, I, I have people and myself when I was recovering, I had to take responsibility for my actions. Like no one was forcing me to do what I was doing. I didn't have to do it. And I actually did have control the whole time. It was just really hard not to do some of the things that I wanted to do, right? Um, and yeah, I would agree that it's all you and the, I don't, I don't necessarily love how people say like, oh, it's the monster or something like that. I do sometimes yeah. separate it in my course and on my podcast that like, there's a rational version of you and there's that primal version of you. And I like to put most of the eating disorder on that more primal part, just cause like it's a habit, right? That binge eating becomes such a vicious habit cycle for me anyway. But uh, how did you take responsibility without completely torturing yourself over that responsibility, I should say. So if, if you go back to my early thirties, I mean, that's not that long ago, but, and I thought, okay, what, what do I want? And how much longer do I want to live like this? I also realized that there was no better time to stop than today. Hmm. Right. Yeah. And I realized I was just making these excuses. I kept shifting blame to some external circumstance in my life, whether it was where I lived, maybe it was a difficult trimester in school, maybe it was a um, contract or a job or whatever. And those were just lies I told myself to kind of assuage the guilt a little mm -hmm. bit. Well, it's, you know, it's not that bad, which is a really dangerous thing to say, by the way. Well, it's not that bad. Mm -hmm. you'll never recover with that kind of mindset. And, and, and so I realized that I was just making all of these excuses. I was justifying it. There was no reason why I couldn't stop today. There was no reason to delay or procrastinate anymore. That was taking full responsibility. Until then, I, I never did that. I was waiting for those perfect, that perfect set of circumstances, which never came mm -hmm. in, order, in order to start that process. Yeah. I love that you just said there is no reason. I I haven't used that before in my own brain and whatnot. I I do, I love the concept of like, it's, it's time to start today, but I didn't really put together the, there is absolutely no reason why you can't not do this. There's no good reason, you know? That's so powerful. There's, yeah, there's no, there's always a reason. There's just not a good one. Yeah. You know, yeah. and there's no, there's no good reason to not start that process. Mm -hmm. because because recovery is not one day you know you don't no. you can't just snap your fingers and say okay everything's everything's good now uh, there's no medication that will do that there's no surgery that will do that you could have a 20 million dollar mansion 
everything you want in life and you would still find a reason to do it. <laughs> yes. So there's so just keep that in mind. You will always find if you're in that state of mind, you will always find a reason. It's just none of them are good. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, it's I like to say that like the um urge to binge or whatever, like it will try to find any sort of excuse and make it sound as rational as possible. And you have to get better and better at recognizing those excuses and those thoughts that sound really rational in the moment. But if you literally, if you were to take a look at them, um, maybe a day later or a day before, you'd be like, that's ridiculous. Why would I do that? Like you would know it's not actually true. Um, and yeah, you will like even, I love the example, even at a 21, <laughs> million dollar expansion like you'll still be like well money causes too many issues i need a binge right yeah it <laughs> has fun. nothing to do with your lifestyle mm -hmm. it has nothing to do with the amount of satisfaction you have in your life look at look at all the drug addicts in hollywood mm -hmm. you know i mean they have you know amazing homes and probably have a butler and a chauffeur and whatever they have anything they want and yet they still find a way to rationalize their addictions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if, if you're waiting for some force to come into your life and change everything, you're going to be waiting a long time. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely true. You can manifest your own things. You, the, you take action is the only way that it's, it's going to change. Now, were you ever, um, I'm assuming that you've said mean things to yourself in your life, but uh, how did you, like, how was your mindset during this time? Because you talked a lot about the actions you did, but like, how were you emotionally during this time? Were you pretty hard on yourself? During, during which time? During, um, you know, your deepest, darkest days of your eating disorder. And then how'd you kind of make that switch in recovery? Yeah, it, it definitely affects your, uh, not, not just your body image, but uh, your self-image, mm -hmm. I guess. And there's a lot of negative self-talk because it's hard to, it's hard to be agnostic or uh, what am I trying to say? Like indifferent towards it. Because when you look at the behavior, you don't just say, oh, well, that's, that's interesting. Why did I do that? Um, that would be, that would be a better way to look at it. But when you are constantly repeating the same cycle, you start to think that you're damaged or something's broken. I used to think my brain was literally broken. Yeah. Seriously. Like, like there was some circuitry that <laughs> needed to be fixed and I needed to be in a very safe cocoon in order to recover. That that wasn't true. Mm -hmm. and, and and so and so I started to think, well, maybe I'm broken. Maybe I just have to live this way. Maybe the damage is irreparable. And um, after many years of trying to overcome it, I mean, five years, six years, seven years, eight years, my state of mind was not good, no. right? Like this is going to be the year. Uh, this is going to be the year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like this constant disappointment. And so I started to think, well, um, maybe I'm not capable of making these changes. Maybe this is just who I am. So I think what happens is that you start to tell yourself these stories and then the ne negative self-talks affects other areas of your life. You don't perform very well. And then that just reinforces the cycle. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, I was, I did not have a good state of mind. How can you have a good state of mind yeah. when you're constantly damaging yourself over and over and you make promises that you break and you say one thing, you do the next. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. 
Well, for me, I, uh, I, same thing. I thought I was just broken. I thought I was um, worthless. I told myself horrible things. And when I did decide to change, I told my, I kind of just nipped the negative self-talk in, in the bud. And I was like, you know, no matter what happens, I'm going to love myself and I'm going to always have my own back because what we're doing right here is not working. And this is not a reason to be treat yourself like shit, basically, you know, like this is not okay. And it's also creating, like you're saying, this horrible whirlwind of damage in my life. Like it's not just in my own head, the negativity is affecting every area. So for me, I just made a clear switch of like, we are not doing this anymore. No matter what, we're going to treat ourselves with respect now, no matter what happens. Um, so how did you make that switch? How did you stop being so hard on yourself? Again, it wasn't one day. I know I've said that like three <laughs> times. It was not one day. But if you want, if you want to correct the negative self-talk, make better decisions. And so when I stopped the cycle, I mean, not, not like permanently, but at least when I had fewer episodes and I started to regain control and I started to make better decisions, I started to feel better around myself. Wow. Mm. You know, wow. Now I'm making healthier decisions. Now I look better. Now I can run again. Now I can do these things. So now you have a positive feedback cycle. Whereas you make those decisions, even if you don't feel like it, you get better results. You start performing better in other areas of your life. And then that encourages you to keep going. But when you're in that depth and all that momentum is against you, it's really hard to regain any momentum, but that's mm -hmm. the key. You know, you've got to, you've got to turn the tide somehow yeah. well it helped me to when i was turning that tide to kind of look at the things like you said earlier kind of objectively and you said that'd be easy but i literally started looking at binging and purging like i was smoking a cigarette or something i'm like you know it's not good for me but it's not a reason to be mean to myself anymore like let's just like assess the situation and see what happens i and then also to gain that momentum like you're saying i just try to get really excited about the small wins like you know how you cheer your dog on for the stupidest stuff like taking a poop i would be like good job jacqueline you like made it a few hours or whatever i would get really really happy for those things is that something you did as well yeah you have to be you have to be kind of nurturing yes in a way. but i mean that's hard for me especially because i'm a male <laughs> and two, I have a predilection towards negative self-talk, mm. but it helps a lot if you can dissociate yourself from the cycle and just be objective. Yeah. Like you said, objective about it. Say, okay, I did this, then I did this, then I did this. Why? Mm -hmm. You know, and yes. how do I, how do I get out of it? Has says nothing about my character. It says nothing about willpower. It says nothing about who I am. I am in this place because I made a string of decisions mm -hmm. and this is the sum of all those decisions. So then what can we do differently yeah. from now on you instead to, of berating yourself? Right. Cause it's not helpful. I, I um, always tell people like you didn't kick a puppy or something like stop attaching morality to these actions. There's nothing, especially depending on your philosophy and how you think about ethics and everything, like there could be nothing wrong with that at all. It's just like, there's yeah. consequences to it, but consequences can be good or bad depending on how you look at them. So yeah, it's helpful to do that. Um, there's something else I wanted to ask you. Okay, so we went over um, kind of how, yes, here's what I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you about like some tips and tricks 
which I know is so cheesy, but like tips and tricks you could share on in that moment, like when you want to binge or whatever, like how'd you get past that? All it takes is a few seconds Mm, and just ask yourself, what do I want to be? Where do I want to go? What is it that I really want? And is this in line with that? Mm -hmm. And here, I'll give you another trip. What's the worst that could happen if I don't do it? Oh, that's a sneaky one. I like that. What's the worst that's gonna happen? So like, am, am I am I gonna die? You know, am I gonna you know die of starvation? Am I just gonna like commit suicide because there's no meeting? I shouldn't say that, but um, yeah, I know what you mean. not that drastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, is this gonna be the end of my life if I don't have this episode today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you know, you might feel that that void. You might feel a little empty, like oh, I'm missing out. That's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's the worst that could possibly happen. What's the best that could happen? I don't know. You have a good night of sleep. Mm, yeah. Asking yourself like those questions, but also asking yourself what you're going to gain. Cause we're all humans. We like that immediate gratification is really powerful too. I am. Um, I say something a little similar where I, I would literally tell myself all the time, like, are you going to die? And then I would obviously answer it. No. <laughs> and then I would be like, this is the worst that's going to happen is you're going to feel uncomfortable, right? Like this is just going to be uncomfortable and you're, you can survive this easily like you've gone through many other things so and you your body can handle more than this so but that's yeah that's good advice I like that what's the worst that can happen I'm gonna write that down (laughs) like all the questions um okay so covered that and everything I don't know what if you could talk to someone let's imagine Kevin of the past right (laughs) someone who's struggling right in where you were um what would you say to them right now to get them going in the right direction I would say your recovery starts today. It starts with one decision, but it doesn't start when you're perfect. Mm. And I just, I always had this misconception of what recovery was. I thought I would just, I would be really, really bad until some arbitrary date, which didn't really mean anything. And then after that date, I would be perfect and I would never have another episode. And it's just, that's not how it goes. Mm-hmm. you know you just okay starting today preferably today I'm doing I'm going to start focusing on the decisions that I make and I'm just going to get a little bit better so it doesn't mean I won't have any more episodes from now on but this is when the process starts you know I'm planting my flag here there's going to be ups and downs you know peaks and valleys whatever but I'm not going to wait until I can go a hundred days without an episode start mm-hmm. because that's just not how it works yeah. except that and using like oh you have one episode and that means it's all over all progress is lost like that's also like you're saying it's part of the process um mm-hmm. I think that's a really powerful tool because if you look at a recovery it's like now I'm recovered and I actually I tell people this interesting concept of like the the day or the the point that you are recovered from bulimia, you can say that you are recovered is when you choose not to binge and purge. But, and I know that's so simple, that's such like a simple concept, but I say it because I want them to detach the idea of um, bulimia as part of their identity. And just the fact that binging and purging is the action that kind of defines bulimia, even though it's a whole bunch of other things. So like try to attach that identity of recovery right now, right here, the moment you start that process, right? Because that's the moment that you're in there. Um, I think it's it's waiting for it to be perfect, like you're saying, is a really pointless and time-wasting endeavor. 
Yeah, don't 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 mistake recovery for perfection. That's how I say it. Mm, and good. when you say, yeah, when you when you adopt this mentality, it gives yourself space and, and leeway and it gives you room to make mistakes. So even if you have another episode, it's not like, oh, I have to go back. You know, this isn't 12 steps where it's like one day, two day, three day, four day. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I don't like that mentality. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it, it, so if you have an episode today, say, okay, well, that's what I would expect, but can we, how can we do this better tomorrow? Mm-hmm. You know, what's, what's my, what's my batting average? Was it yeah. better this week? You know, did I make a few more good decisions? Is there some, some highlight? Is, am I doing something better than I, that I wasn't doing a few weeks ago? Then you'll keep going. But if your definition is I have to be completely binge free or completely bent perch free since that arbitrary date, and if I have one screw up, then I have <laughs> yeah. to go all the way to the beginning. That's a really, it's, it's perfectionism. And it's also really, it's another form of like defeatism. Yeah, absolutely. Perfectionism isn't something to aspire to. It's not, I mean, in my, I would see it as less and less valuable as time goes on because I'd rather do like B plus effort and learn something, right? And a lot of the slip ups, what people don't realize, a lot of my clients that are recovered now, the times where they slipped up, they've, or whatever you want to call it, I don't even, it's just like they binge and purge, whatever. They learn from those things. Like those, those important failures are really great for recovery in a weird way. Sometimes they remind you of like what you, don't enjoy about it sometimes they teach you something you didn't know about yourself like it's all like you're saying part of the process and yeah perfection is not very good also I would love to ask you like what what about recovery do you like the most like what do you like about your life now that this this binge eating and bulimia is not in it that now I can focus on other problems in my life yes mm-hmm. because even when you overcome this you're going to have a lot of problems in the queue they're they're just better problems Mm -hmm. you know you're not trying to figure out a basic skill of life which is how to feed yourself properly Mm -hmm. now you can focus on whatever you know career buying a house making money it's just yeah you're gonna have problems you're going to have headaches it's just these are better headaches Mm. yeah that's a good way to describe it i uh the mental clarity that I have, and I still have bad days, of course, but I'm able to handle them much better. And the mental clarity I feel compared to what kind of disaster my head was when I was bulimic, it's it's a lot easier to actually handle those problems. And they are better problems. I would agree with that too. And think about it's, it in it's, that way. Yeah, it's a lot easier to to achieve your other goals in life if you don't have this, if you're not bulimic. It's, it's like... It's like walking around with a ball and chain around your ankle. Yeah, you can achieve those goals, but it's going to be that much harder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just like you're dragging along this thing with you. Like you're saying, like I like to describe it as kind of like this annoying monster or something that you've stood, you keep bringing them along, even though you can let them loose, right? (laughs) It just takes up a lot of time and energy and it's pretty consuming, so. yeah for recovery too do you still have like fitness in your life do you still have i don't know goals with that in your life 
Yeah, I would like to do another triathlon. I haven't yeah. done that since my like, bulimic days, uh, ironically enough. Uh, so I'd, I'd like to get back into it. Although where I am, it's kind of hard to pursue fitness endeavors. Um, oh, because of the pandemic? Right. Yeah. So COVID restrictions kind of make that hard. And yes. Um, right now, I don't want to invest several thousand dollars in fitness equipment. What? Doesn't make any no. sense. <laughs> several yeah. thousand? I mean, I, I mean, I guess I could. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I think everyone oh. can understand that. <laughs> And I, yeah, and I don't know how much longer I'll be in this location. So I'm just kind of in a bind right now. But yes, the short answer is I do have fitness goals, which are much easier to pursue after recovery. Right. I don't, it's so much easier for me to like uh, work out in the gym, have consistent energy and actually eat enough food to gain muscle and not, I don't know, it's easier to maintain my weight now. It's much easier. It was easier for me to lose weight as well, which is something I did after I recovered, which is like, you know, a little controversial, I guess, but I don't know. I think it's great to see someone like you who still has a healthy relationship with fitness in his life and um, doesn't, there's a way to have fitness in your life that isn't all consuming, right? Which is, it's more enjoyable, honestly, to have yeah. fitness now that you don't have bulimia and binge eating all over your shoulder. Yeah. Well, last question. Thank you for all your information and answering all these things, but uh, where can, where should my audience go? What, where can they find you? What do you want them to know? <laughs> Basically. They can find me on YouTube, just my first and last name, Kevin Bersiaga, nothing mm -hmm. special, um, or at least not a creative name, but Instagram, the rational eater. So okay. the underscore rational underscore eater. All right. Yeah. Um, and do you offer any programs that you want them to know about? Yeah, I, my signature program is Empowered Eating, although the name might change here pretty soon, but you'll be working with me, a few other people, okay. and I've just expanded it to six months. So I'm giving people lots of runway. Cool. You know. Yeah, six months is a good, I mean, I coach people for three months and six months at a time and I just let them choose between that, but I think that's a good amount yeah. of time. Um, and so they get one-on-one -on -one coaching with that and like a program to follow as well. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. I, um, I did a poll one time at uh, when my first part of coaching and I ha asked people, do you prefer like, if you think for your recovery, which would be more helpful, just a program, an online program. Um, no coaching or just coaching, you know, I wanted them to choose and predominantly people, people are like, all, all I want is a one-on-one -on -one coach. So I think combining the two are, are great. So yeah, but thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing everything. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Hey, if you like this episode, you have to come check out the Binge Breakers Recovery Course. If you're trying to recover from bulimia and you're sick of doing it alone and you feel like you've tried a lot of traditional therapies and it's not working with you, come join the course. Go to bingebreakers.com slash recovery dash course.